Uh, good morning. My name is Ken, for those of you who don't know me. Today we began an eight-part series uh, on the book of 2 Timothy. And I just find this book actually quite fascinating, very fascinating. It's, it's the kind of material that maybe a Netflix miniseries could be made after. I don't know if you ever thought of that, something like that before. But it's the kind of material that every one of us, no matter where we are on our journeys with Jesus, can kind of sink our teeth into and, and learn from it. Uh, Second Timothy, in case you're not sure, is in the New Testament part of the Bible. It follows, hold your breath, First Timothy. <laughs> I know, we got really creative, didn't we? And then uh, it's also right before Titus, the book of Titus. So First Timothy and Titus kind of are on the, each end of this. Uh, and so Second Timothy is a letter. It's advice, it's wisdom from the heart of one pastor to the heart of another pastor. Uh, but in, And there's one for every piece of information about this letter. There's something for everyone, though. Okay? And the man who wrote this letter wrote half of the New Testament. And this was the last thing he ever wrote. What would you write if you knew it would be the last thing you ever wrote. What would you write? And Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania has what they call the last lecture circuit. So when a professor is leaving, uh, retiring from the university, they encourage them to give a kind of a last lecture. So these top academics will come and they'll think deeply about uh, you know, and give some hypothetical last talk. What wisdom do I want to pass along? In 2007, Professor Randy Posh participated in this lecture series, but he wasn't retiring. He had cancer, and he knew he would die soon. And his lecture, which actually later became a book, was entitled, Achie Really Achieving Your Childhood Dreams. Really Achieving Your Childhood Dreams. And in this lecture, in this book that became a book, he attempts to lend advice to his children that, that they may need once he's passed on. And, and he recounts memories and, and important people and things such as that, stuff that he thinks will help them achieve their childhood dreams. I, I haven't read it, but I understand it's incredible book. What would you say? What would you say if it was your last chance to, to maybe leave a written legacy? What would you want to say? Would you reminisce a bit? Or maybe you would let loved ones know how proud you are of them. I'm so proud of you. Maybe you would warn people about the dangers of the times in which we live. It's a dangerous time. Watch out. Maybe you would give life advice. Here's how to live your life based on my advice. Would you mention things you'd rather not mention? You know, in full disclosure, transparency, would you say some of those elephant in the room kind of things? Just got to mention it. Would you talk about your faith in Jesus? And the comfort of following Jesus. That's really a hard thing to know, isn't it? 
Actually, what you would say. I, I, I don't know exactly what I would say. What we're going to see in 2 Timothy, which is so interesting, is that the author who suspects he will die soon actually covers all of those things I listed on, on there, plus more, plus more. And so this morning, what we're going to do is kind of uh, in the whole Netflix Flix miniseries theme, I'm going to give you a trailer, if you will, a teaser of each of the episodes in this miniseries. How do you like that? You like trying to do something different, so... Let's start with prayer. Well, Father, as we do this series, as we go through this, will you guide and will you show us exactly what it is that we are to take away from this? So we need your help. I need your help. I desperately need your help. And so guide us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, as the series gets started, our Netflix series gets started, like any other series uh, on a show, they always kind of, at the beginning, show you a few little things, you know, who some of the stars are, maybe the producers. So sometimes you kind of see it float across your screen, you know, there's some uh, obscure image in the background or something like that. So we're going to do that as well. Who, we're going to find out who our writer is, who wrote this, who he wrote to, so who's the recipient of the letter, and a little bit of the situation or the setting in which it takes place, okay? So the first question is, who wrote it? And uh, let's look at the very beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 1 of 2 Timothy, and we'll get a little bit of a hint there of who wrote it. It says, Paul, (laughs) an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So the very first verse, Paul is saying, Hey, this is me writing, all right? I'm one of Jesus' appointed disciples, apostles. However, as clear as it may seem to us, there is actually quite the debate over whether Paul really wrote this. We're not going to discover all the things in the debate, uh, but there is a debate. Did Paul really write this? And I believe that there's strong enough evidence to suggest that Paul did write it, or Paul, at the very least, Paul tr- uh, read it to someone or said it to someone and they transcribed it for him. So we're going to stick with what the author himself says. And there's a little point later on that kind of proves this a, a little bit more. Uh, but we're going to stick with Paul is our author. Now, kind of an aside, a little bit FYI for your information. On our website, on the page for this series, the Second Timothy page, there's a lot of different types of links and resources, and we'll keep adding each week as we go. But there's one about this debate. So if you're the kind of person who'd like to discover a little bit more about this date, go to the web page. All right, so Paul is our author. It doesn't take much very quickly in here also to learn who our recipient is. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So just to be clear, it's not his actual son, uh, but he sees Timothy kind of as his son in the faith. So for sure, throughout the letter, there's a very parental tone that Paul is writing with, okay? So Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. That's the credits running across the stage uh, on the screen. Now, in our first episode, we do one of those things where the shows, I like it when shows do this, I don't know, you may not like this, where they kind of rewind a little bit and and go back in the past to give you some background information. Uh, So they flash on the screen that it's 1773 in Boston. So you know that 
for those of us who know history, that's the Boston Tea Party, right? And they didn't show you this, if they didn't show you this, maybe some things you wouldn't pick up on in the show. And so they show you this so that later on in the show you can get some things that you need to get. So we're going to do that for our mini-series. We're going to back up just a little bit, a little bit behind the scenes so we can know some things that history, archaeology, things that other parts of the Bible, particularly the book of Ephesians and the book of Acts and Galatians, kind of tell us a little bit about. Things that we don't see in this actual letter of 2 Timothy. Okay, So rewind a year or more before the writing of this letter. Paul is under house arrest in the city of Rome. House arrest means that he was able to stay at a friend's house. There was a guard kind of at the door in the vicinity. Maybe today we would have uh, one of those ankle monitors. You've seen those before. Maybe you've had one. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But most people believe that he was released from that. He was, you know, acquitted of the charges. And he traveled up to Ephesus. Uh, and a few other places, but Ephesus is where Timothy is, so that's why we talk about that. He's our recipient. He went to visit there. And at some point, he was arrested again and taken back to Rome. And this time it was much more severe. He's in a dungeon with a ball and chain. He's chained up. There's no more ankle monitor. This time his life is near its end. He knows it. The Roman emperor Nero It's probably going to execute him, he thinks. And for sure, that is exactly what happened. So uh, for us map geeks, I want to show you a map. Hey, Jeff, can you toss me that? Yeah, just go ahead. You can do it. We can do this. All right. I love maps. I know some people have said, hey, I like maps too. So here is ancient Ephesus here on our map. Can you see that? Is that big enough? So this is, is, uh, everybody recognize this country right here, Italy. Uh, And so there's Rome. So right here, this is the country of Turkey. So here on this west coast of Turkey is where Ephesus is. So there's a little thing there. So he would uh, have gone up around and through here and boated over this way. So anyway, does it kind of make sense to you? Those of you who like, uh, there you go, Jeff, who like those kinds of things. Right. So Paul had left Timothy there in Ephesus to be the pastor of these churches in Ephesus. Now, here's a little bit about the Ephesian church. Again, we're still in the history learning part. Uh, This church in Ephesus was a young church. Paul himself had traveled through there, and he stopped there for probably a couple of years and developed these churches. And it's not this one big church building, and they've got an office off to the side somewhere or anything like that. No, that's not what it is. Paul actually has, there's actually churches in people's houses throughout the city. Maybe four, maybe five different ones. Paul started those, those house churches on one of his journeys there. And then he leaves Timothy behind to be their pastor. Okay. Most of the people who are a part of the church are Jewish people. But there are also some Greek, some Gentile converts as well. Okay. Makes sense. Not real exotic, but at the same time, uh, that's kind of our background. Now, there's a couple of things that we're going to discover. In those churches, there are some toxic people. Some people who cause some problems, some, some bad teachings, some people who spread rumors and stuff. And we also know that the city of Ephesus was extremely pluralistic. The city of Ephesus was known to be influenced highly by the Greek religion 
And Ephesus was a temple of Artemis. And I'm not going to tell you much about it because it's actually very immoral. In fact, any culture today would look at what happened at the temple of Artemis and think it was immoral. That's, that's how bad it was. So Paul's in prison. He's back in Rome. He knows it's not going too well for him. And he's writing Timothy and saying, Timothy, will you come to Rome? Will you come to Rome and visit me? Why, why does he want him to come to Rome? Well, everything that we can tell and we can learn from this from other writings in the New Testament is that Paul wants Timothy to come there so that he can firsthand complete kind of his mentorship, his discipleship of Timothy and make him a full-fledged church planter. Okay? And this is the vision that Paul's received from God and he wants to pass it along to Timothy. So that's the general setting. You don't see all this stuff in the book of Timothy, so this is all bonus information. So now we're going to fast forward to current times, current date on the screen there, and flashes on the screen. Let us know we're no longer in the past. So we have a three-part miniseries, three episodes of our miniseries, and we're going to give titles to each one. Each one of the episodes uh, has a very strong challenge to it. There's a challenge to each episode. The first challenge is for Timothy to accept his calling, and he knows that it comes with a cost. So that's our first title, Faithfulness Comes with a Cost. The second challenge is something Paul wants Timothy to deal with before he comes to Rome. So remember I said he's asking him to come to Rome? Before you come to Rome, I want you to deal with this, and it's a challenge that needs to be met immediately in its confrontation. And we're going to see later on, he's not confronting people, he's confronting something. Okay? And the third one, I came up with a really creative uh, title, The Ending. <laughs> Just a few verses at the end. Okay? So here's the first one. The faithfulness, episode one, faithfulness comes with a cost. And I think probably uh, those of you who've heard me preach enough have maybe every once in a while hear me share about my grandmother or my grandfather. I have very... Uh, uh, a grandfather who was a pastor, a grandmother who was this praying saint. Timothy has the same kind of relatives to me. So Paul, in episode one, begins by affirming that I love you, Timothy. I pray for you. And then he dives right in and says, your faith, the foundation of your faith, was planted by these women, your grandmother and your mother. These women have instilled deep faith in Jesus and you, Timothy. He's our promised Savior. He's our Messiah. And because of that solid foundation, one given by his mom and his grandma, Paul challenges Timothy, stand firm. Do not reject what's been so carefully taught. And I think I need to hear that often. I need to hear that often. And I don't know what you picture when you think of Timothy back in those days, but I don't know if it was a whole lot different. His mom and, his mom and grandmother would teach him from the Old Testament. Maybe they would pull him aside and if he came home from, uh, from school and some cuts and bruises and he'd gotten a fight with Tommy and they would say, you know, uh, you need to learn to love people who are hard to love. Maybe they would tell him the story of Cain and Abel and how that didn't work out too well. I don't know. Maybe if he had a crush on someone down the street, they would pull him aside and say, you know, let me tell you what God intends for healthy human relationships. I mean, we can use our imagination, right, to consider Timothy's upbringing and what that was like. But then there's this twist 
in our plot that Paul throws in there. And the twist is, the challenge is, don't reject me, Paul. What? Where does that, that really came out of left field. Why would I reject you, Paul? What, what's your deal? Are you just feeling insecure? Or what's going on with you, Paul? Well, it's actually somewhat legitimate that Timothy would be ashamed of Paul. Paul has this terrible reputation among some of the people there for always being in jail. And he is in jail a lot. You could kind of hear the gossip. You know, I don't know. Paul seems to be in prison a lot. What's going on with that? You know, and certainly some of this is his own fault. He just, just keep his mouth shut. He brings this on himself. He brings this on himself. So Paul is challenging Timothy. Listen, stay with me. Don't, don't believe that stuff you hear. Yes, I'm in prison, but stay with me. Don't reject me. He feels so strongly about this that he names names of those people who are calling him out and who are starting trouble and passing rumors along. These are our first two agitators in our story. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, You're, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. That's a lot of people, all who are in Asia. Among who are Phygelus and Hermogenes. I can kind of hear the music building out. Boom, boom, boom. There's those guys. So Paul asks, in fact, he challenges Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Get on down here to Rome and visit me. Now, Paul knows that his ask for Timothy to come to Rome, we may not think much about it. It's a big ask. It's putting Timothy at risk, partnering with a guy who Nero has just arrested to make an example of. And all the other people are bad-mouthing him. And he's saying, stay strong. Come here. You've heard the saying, when the going gets tough, how's it usually finished? When the going gets tough, yeah. Well, what if I changed it? What if we changed it to when the going gets tough, I, I what? I eat ice cream or I eat potato chips. I call a friend. How would you answer that one? Just, I want you to tell me how you would answer that. I'll, say, I'll repeat it for those who are online. When the going gets tough, I, what? You're going to have to speak louder. I'm really hard of hearing. Okay, get going. I get going. That's real creative. What did you say? I take a nap. Okay. Anybody else? When the going gets tough, I... You're thinking it. You're just not saying it. You watch TV. Okay. All right. Yeah. Get on your knees. Is that what you said? Okay. What about when the going gets tough, God? God what? Comes alongside. What else? Carries us. Okay. Anything else? Well, for Timothy... Going was getting very tough. And I think Paul is saying this to him. When the going gets tough, God gives you his grace. When the going gets tough, God gives you his grace. And there's some really relevant advice for us in this. In fact, this is a nugget. This is one of those gold nuggets for us. When the going gets tough, you've got the grace of Jesus. 
And it's really important. It's really important because following Jesus is not always easy. And certainly you and I can relate to that, right? No matter where we are in our journeys to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus faithfully is this ongoing lifestyle. I mean, we sang that song just before the sermon, Christ be all around me, because we, we know we need that power. We need that kind of power. And so in keeping with this idea of, of remaining faithful during hard times, Paul uses three analogies. Some of you have heard this before because you've, you've read this book before. He uses these three analogies. A soldier who's striving to please his commanding officer, an athlete who is training for a race or some sort of competition. And then there's this farmer who works hard, is so diligent. And, and if you work hard, if you do what is proper in due time, you will reap the harvest. And be sure to look at our graphic because our graphic for this series is someone running a race. And it's someone that many of you know. So there's a little uh, famous person there in the graphic. Each of these things he gives an illustration with. And then there's a cost involved. And the cost is discipline, it's commitment, it's perseverance. And then he finally tells Timothy, he says, well, these are good examples. You know, the athlete, the soldier, maybe in Canada the soldier isn't as popular as it is in the U.S. But still, nonetheless, there's the athlete, the soldier, and the farmer. But here's the ultimate example. The ultimate example is Jesus Christ. Follow him. Follow him. He gave himself to you on the cross. Follow him. And then our first episode ends. Okay? So that's our first episode. Uh, faithfulness comes with the cost. Now Paul moves on to our second episode. Episode two, confrontation. And I imagine, if you will, you know, there's kind of music in the background. It kind of starts to build a little bit. And there's a little bit more intense because the story is getting more tense. Uh, before Timothy comes to Paul... In Rome, Paul wants Timothy to confront bad theology. Bad theology. Some new agitators are on the scene. And this bad theology has been spread by some. But just to be clear, Paul isn't saying, I want you to confront those people. In this instance, he's saying, just confront the bad theology. Don't just confront the bad theology. Find some people you can teach good theology to. Paul, however, doesn't really tell us what the bad theology is. He gives us a little bit of a hint here, but he doesn't tell us. But he gives us a hint, and he names names of the agitators again. And so, look at this, chapter 2, verse 17. And their talk, these are the agitators, will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, and they are upsetting the faith of some. Well, what's the bad theology? That the resurrection had already happened. His solution is to tell Timothy, put some distance between you and those guys. Put some distance between you and the agitators. And train up some people who can teach the truth. And, and Timothy, is, as well as those he trains up, should avoid conflicts that are just rumors and gossips and stuff that just don't produce anything good. He says basically 
what I want you to do, Timothy, is keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is to teach about Jesus from the scriptures. Now, when we hear that from the scriptures, we might think the whole Bible we have, but they didn't have the New Testament then. They only had the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there's this thread of promise that runs all the way through the Old Testament about Jesus. And he's telling Timothy, teach them this thread of promise that's all throughout the Old Testament. He says, it's good. It's good. It's good to be used. He says, it's God breathed. It's such a powerful passage. Let's look at the whole passage. He says, all scripture, and when, again, he's thinking of the Old Testament here, is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man and the woman of God might be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so that ends episode two. And if you feel that wasn't as dramatic as I made it up to be, then maybe you're missing some things. Maybe I'm not doing a very good job of, of bringing it to you in a dramatic fashion. But Paul was very serious about these challenges. And it was a serious challenge. And the reason it was serious, and we can again relate to this today, at risk was the unity of the churches. At risk was the unity of the churches. There's, there's this disunity that happens, and when it happens, the churches don't work together to promote the gospel. And that's what's at risk, and so it's very serious. So we end uh, episode one, faithfulness comes with the cost. Episode two, confrontation, and then we have the ending of the book. Paul concludes his letter by saying he probably isn't going to make it out of prison. I know my time's done. I've run the race. I've done well, but my time's done. I'm probably going to die here. And history has shown us he does. And we kind of hear the music in our series get a little tender now because it's kind of a, a tender portion of his letter, at least part of it is anyway. And he says some of the things, the part of the reason uh, that we believe that Paul wrote this, he says things like, bring my coat when you come. <laughs> I left it there. Either he left in a hurry or he just forgot it. And bring my scrolls, which basically means bring my computer. I've got all my notes on there. I did not upload it to the cloud before I left. I need the hard drive. Bring the computer, please. I need to do some, some writing. But then he talks about how he was left alone. Everyone there abandoned him, he says. There's just a few people left to encourage him and support him, and he feels quite rejected. He feels alone. And it doesn't take much reading in between the lines to kind of see Paul's a bit down, even possibly depressed. And to be sure, he's in a dungeon with a chain and a ball around his ankle. And he knows he's going to die. I would be down too. But what he does here is he declares that the source of his comfort, despite all the rejection, despite what the future looks like, the source of his comfort is Jesus. And here's another nugget for us. Let's look at this. Chapter 4, verse 17. Everyone left him, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, and the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, even if he dies. 
and bring me safely into his heaven, his heavenly kingdom, to be to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he signs off by telling Timothy to pass on some greetings to some of his friends there. You know, and our series comes to the end and the credits kind of roll on the screen and we kind of sit in our lazy boy and we're comfortable. And yet we're a bit torn. The letter of 2 Timothy shows Paul's very life was marked by challenge and struggle. And it was persistent. I mean, constant struggle in his life. What do you make of that? I mean, it could be doom and gloom, couldn't it? You could sit there in your chair and you could just be full of depression over all that's happened to Paul. That following Jesus is marked by risk and challenge. And to be sure, that's not untrue, is it? But then the question is, does this mean that Jesus is absent and uncaring and not involved in our lives? Is that... Is that what I make of this? And to, the, to that, Paul would say, he would say in a resounding fashion, no, he's not absent. He is not uncaring. He desires to be involved in every part of our lives. Christ all around us. And actually, in these moments of challenge, is that Jesus' love and presence can become most alive and practical for us if we allow it. And so as we go through this series, these next seven weeks, I wonder, what is it you hope to learn? How, how do you want it to impact you? Have you even thought about that yet? Maybe you can. Do you want it to impact you? Maybe you heard something this morning as I kind of did this overview and you thought, that sounds like my life situation. I'd like to learn more. Maybe you're just curious. Can I invite you to do this? Over these next couple of weeks, read 2 Timothy. There's only four chapters, not very long. Read this. Look at it. Begin to ask God, what is it you want me to pick up from this? Some of this will be less relevant. Some of it will be spot on for you. It speaks to all of us, no matter where we are, no matter where our journey is. I believe that God will give each of us what we need in just the right portion. Maybe go for a walk and put the headphones on and listen to someone read it to you and absorb it that way. Read it through different versions. But begin this week, if you will, asking God, what do you want to teach me? And begin just kind of reading through this. It could be something huge, and it could be something really small and simple. But let's do this together. Let's go through this mini-series of 2 Timothy together and see what it is that God has for us. Let me pray for us.